Let us listen now to our second reading that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. You may find it in the bulletin if you would like to follow along. But to what will I compare this generation? asked Jesus. It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The son of humanity came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Abba, creator of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Abba, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Abba, and no one knows the Son except the Abba. No one knows the Abba except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So why are you here this morning? What gets you out the door and into these doors when there are so many other places that you could be, like bed or brunch or out running or wherever you might be? What gets you here? Why do you come as you come? Maybe you come for the community, to see these folks that you've known over many years, I like coming here because I get to see Jenna, who used to be my student and who now is my colleague in the Presbyterian of San Francisco. It's really lovely to do that. It's really lovely to see Pastor Joan, who's also a co colleague in this presbytery. Many of your faces I recognize because I've been able to be here um, on occasion throughout the years. I like coming here for this community, so I imagine you do too. Maybe you like coming to meet new people too and to get to know them and their stories and what makes them motivated to be here as a part of a worshiping community. Maybe being here helps you to feel like you belong to a community, to something bigger than yourself. That is a really important piece of why we come to church, is to be a part of a community. Of course, hopefully you've come to worship God. That is what this is about, right? To give thanks to the creator of all that is. To give back of yourself to the one who has given so much to you. And in so doing, to experience the holy through music, through words, through silence, through bells gonging, through the spirit moving among us as we're here. All of those things are ways that people throughout the ages have experienced the holy. And so maybe you come to sit in this space. Maybe just the space itself helps you to experience the holy. And, and through this, we connect to those who across the years and across the miles connect to the holy in similar ways and often very different ways, reminding us that God's people are 
throughout all generations and throughout all geography. And maybe you come here this morning looking for answers. Maybe you're wondering, what am I actually supposed to believe about God and about God's creation? And how am I supposed to know what God has in store for my life? And what does God desire of me? How can I be faithful to God's call in my life? These are questions that are questions of discipleship, questions of what does it mean to be Christ's followers? We, we get some answers in the, in the Bible, but they often need unpacking because as Jesus speaks in our lesson today and throughout the, the Gospels, Jesus speaks kind of in enigmas and in kind of clouded words. It takes a little bit of studying and some joint worship together to kind of figure out what is this that's being said. Sometimes it seems really clear, and those are the times we really need to stop and say, it's probably not as clear as I think it is. Because Jesus always spoke to us in words that were needed a little bit of unpacking. And so we come together to, to figure out what it means to be disciples of Christ. And we look to examples in our scriptures to help us figure out that a little bit more. We learn from them how they followed God and how God lifted them up, either as good examples or as bad. We get both, which is helpful, because if we only had good, then we might not know when we're, doing, when we're going a little bit astray. And so our scriptures, our holy scriptures, are, are nice that they include both good examples and bad examples of how we are to follow God and how we are to live holy lives that give glory to all that God is doing. Being a disciple of Christ means listening. It takes a lot of listening. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time listening. I like to just do. I like to get out there and just go about it. But it takes time, which I, is one thing I really love about the service at 7th Avenue, is there's a lot of time for listening. We sit in silence, and we just listen. We let the Word and the Spirit really dwell richly with us as we sit in this time of worship together. And I studied with spiritual direction um, programs, and there's a lot of sitting and listening, and there's some reason a 20-minute glorious time, which everybody, we would always say, let's go and practice this for 20 minutes, and I would sit there for five and go, is that good now? Can I get up? <laughs> there's no magic time limit to how much we need to sit and listen, but we are encouraged to be with God and to calm ourselves and to open ourselves to hearing a voice other than our own. So whatever time it takes for you to do that, God bless you in it. In this time of listening, we have to set aside our own desires. And that's a really hard thing to do because we come with these things that we feel like God has called us to, and so we want to move forward with it. But if we lead with that, we are only looking to be confirmed on our own convictions instead of being open to the, the will of God working in us. And once we've heard God's call in our life, we are called to act on that. Being disciples isn't just about listening. It is about doing as well. Yay for those who like to do. But we have to have the ordering of it correctly. Listening first, acting second. And it's not always clear how to 
follow God's will in our life. Now today we have in our scriptures many examples, some good, some not so good, about how to be disciples of Christ and of God. In our Old Testament scriptures this morning, we see Abram's servant who just went. The whole story of Abram is really surprising to me because it's a story of people hearing, you should do this, and they go, yep, okay, I'm gonna. And I'm like, what? I'm not like that. I don't just drop everything and run. Abram was approached by God and said, go to a whole other land, and he did. He dropped everything, took his family, and all off they went, according to the scriptures. Now, there might have been more conversation going on in the background that didn't get recorded, but what we are given is a story of just taking God's word and acting on it. And the same goes for Abram's servant. Abram's servant hears, you are to go, and he says, okay, I'll go. And then he says, help me understand what I'm supposed to be doing here give me this sign. And he actually kind of lays out what he's looking for as the sign, and God provides that. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we could do the same thing? All right, God, I'm going to go, but you got to give me this really clear sign. And then God does. Well, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes you get a job that you were really hoping for, or that closes, that door closes, and you're like, okay, that was not the job for me, so a- another one might come up after that. I had a very clear uh, sign that way once. I was really thinking I wanted one job. That one didn't get come, but the one that came right after it was the, was the job I really needed to be called to. And so sometimes it is that clear, but mostly it's not. But again, with Abram's story, not only does the servant get this, this call to go and then does, but so does Rebecca. Rebecca shows up at the well and she offers hospitality, which is a common thing in their, in their culture, and yet not because this is a strange man. So she has, as a woman, she's, she's kind of put in this awkward situation But she goes ahead and listens to the hospitality call of her culture and says, I will offer hospitality to this man that I don't know. And that was her living into the call that God had for her life. And because she did that, all of a sudden she's being offered marriage. Wow. Okay. And she says yes. (laughs) And they go. Uh, Again, what? (laughs) Usually you want to know the person first, right? She doesn't even meet Isaac, who she's going to be marrying, she just meets the servant. And because of the familial connection, this is a person who there, it's not somebody completely unrelated. It is somebody who her family is connected to. It makes it a safer thing to do. But still, he's in a land far away, and she's going to just up and move. I love the adventure here. They just say, yes, okay, we'll go. And so these are, these are ones for whom the sign is really clear, and they just say yes. And then in the, the Gospel of Matthew, we have a, a, a good example of who God does give God's will openly to is infants. Now, they're not seeking it. They're just open to hearing it because they're in the process of learning everything. They're just grabbing onto all the information that they can get. Little children, they just can't get enough, right? They're just eyes wide open, 
looking at everything, taking it all in, learning all the words, learning all the things that come their way, and they just love it. I mean, I don't have children of my own. I think I would go insane because all the questions, why, 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 what is this, what is this? I love being with them, and I love answering it, and then I need to go home and go, whew, (laughs) that was a lot, because they are just taking it all in. They can't get enough. They really want to know more. They're just open to learning. These are the examples that are lifted up as positive examples of how to be God's followers, being open, being ready to act, just taking it all in, not having a really set answer that you're looking for to have it confirmed by God. Now, the examples that we get that are not so good are also children, but they're a different sort of children. They're a little bit older, and they're the children that are sitting and playing, and they want people to do it exactly as they are doing it. And if you're not doing it the way they're doing it, you're doing it wrong, and they get mad at you. And so Jesus gives these examples of these children who are sitting at the gate, and they're playing music, and, and then they're also mourning later, and, they're, and they don't feel like anybody's doing it right. And specifically, they are mad because John the Baptist, who came, and then later Jesus, who came, weren't doing, weren't doing the God thing the way that they thought that they should. So these children are examples of the religious leaders of the time. The religious leaders of the time had a very set understanding of what it looked like to worship God and what it meant to be a follower of God. And they said, John the Baptist, you're doing it wrong. And then Jesus came and did it in a very different way, and they said, Jesus, you're doing it wrong too. Both of you, wrong, out. And so Jesus said, these, these leaders are like children who are kind of petulant and really obstinate and just sitting there and want it to be done exactly as they want it to be done. Instead of being open like the infants, taking it all in, watching and really loving it and learning from it, they have a set way that they want it done, and when they don't see it done that way, you're out. It's not it. So that's a bad example of how to try and be a disciple of God. And the second bad example from Matthew is the wise and the intelligent. Oh, I like I like. I'm a seminary professor, so of course, I like learning, I like intelligence, I like to be wise. Oh, ouch, this tells me I shouldn't. I shouldn't honor those things. Not that I shouldn't pursue those things, but I shouldn't put those first. Because when I honor my intelligence and wisdom, such as it is, I I put my knowledge before God's. I come with a set answer. I want to control how God is going to speak to me. And that's what's happening here. The wise and the intelligence folks that Jesus is saying are doing it wrong are the ones who kind of get closed-minded. So here's the process of our life. We start as infants taking it all in. And as we take it in, we start to close down our ability to take it all in. It it gets a little bit much to handle is really kind of the truth. We we feel like over the years we've seen it all. Have you heard that before? Somebody says, hey, I got a great idea, and you're like, we've tried that before. Oh, all right. (laughs) But it's because of our years of learning and learning and learning, all of a sudden we think, well, you know, our learning has helped us to get somewhere. We We should use that to our advantage. Yes, we should. But we shouldn't use it to close down options 
of how God might work in our lives. And often that's what happens. And so Jesus is saying, don't be like the wise or the intelligent who think they know it all and think God should fit into this small box. You need to open yourselves up like the infants and just take it all in and see where God's going to lead you. So those are the examples that we get this morning. And they kind of give us things that you've probably heard before about how, how it is to be a disciple of God. Some of them are easier than others. And I, the very first one that came to my mind was giving up control to God. Sounds easy. Really hard to do. It's really easy to write it down. It's really hard to enact that. To give up control. To really let God have God's way in your life. And by doing that, we're opening ourselves up to endless possibilities, which can excite some and can scare others, and it can excite and scare the same people at the same time. It, having endless possibilities can be a good thing, but also at some point you want to know what direction your life is going, right? And you need to act on that. So endless possibilities can be overwhelming. But through curiosity and a desire to learn, we open ourselves to God, and we let God show us what God is wanting. The biggest thing, and actually one of the hardest things just up there with giving control over to God, it's related, is trusting that God will provide. Trusting that God will provide. I think so many of us are really good at saying that we trust God, but then going out and acting like we don't. We, we have to make sure that everything is set. And when we make sure that everything is set, we aren't allowing God to do God's work. We're, we're not really trusting that God will provide. And so sometimes we just need to let go. We need to open up and let things happen and maybe not have everything. I told you earlier, I'm a J-type on the Myers-Briggs. This is really not easy to do. I like to have all the details ironed out. Well, if I do that, where's, where's the Spirit? Where am I allowing the Spirit to have the Spirit's way? Then, once the Spirit has acted and has called, that's my time, that's our time, to be ready to act, to get out there and to actually follow the will of God. All of this can be very difficult to do and very confusing at times. And so I have I've come across this prayer many times. Maybe it's familiar to you as well. It's by Thomas Merton, and it's from Thoughts in Solitude. And it's one that I really love. He says, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear. For you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. I love this prayer because it says, I'm trying, and God honors the fact that I'm trying. I think that's what we are called to do as disciples, to get out there 
and to learn by trial and error. Try it. Open yourself up to hearing, God, was this what you were asking? Yes? Great, I'll do some more. No? Okay, I'll try a different way. Get out there and try. It's the intention that matters. It's how is your heart centered? Is it centered on God as you're trying these different ways of following God's will in your life? If yes, God is honored in that. And no matter how the trial ends up, whether it's successful or whether it's not, God is honored in that. And that is what being a disciple of Christ means. Honoring God in your life, in all that you do. Whether it's a, a great success or whether it looks like you're just bumbling through. Lost and wandering on a, on a path that you're not sure where it goes. That gives honor to God. And that's what being a disciple of Christ is all about. And so we need to just open ourselves up to being lost and bumbling along and sometimes meeting great success and other times just really not. And in so doing, giving all honor to the creator of all that is. Amen.